My message today is entitled, Understanding the Love of Jesus. I think the love of Jesus is a very trite saying for many people to talk about it. And I don't know if as many people understand the true depth of it or the true meaning of it. I want to begin with Luke 19.41. talking about when Jesus says He approached this time of across the Passion Week as He drew near to Jerusalem. This is where this is taken from. And it says, Now as Jesus drew near, He saw the city and wept over it. Verse 42, saying, If you had known, speaking to Jerusalem, to the people, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that will that make for your peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. Jesus cried over Jerusalem because they did not know the things that were made for their peace. They denied the very One who was sent to bring them peace with God. They rejected Him based on their own self-righteousness. On their own logic. He couldn't be God. On their own ignorance. For it was, He was prophesied for thousands of years. He was rejected on their own pride. We don't need Him. Much like today. Many people today. They rejected Him based on their own sin. Oh, how Jesus would cry over America right now. Take a look around society. And you will see the evidence of people who do not know the things that were made for their peace. Jesus was given to us for our peace. His sacrifice was the atonement or the payment or the price paid for our sins that would bring peace between God and man. In Jerusalem, when the people repeatedly rejected Jesus, the truth was hidden from their eyes so that they could not find peace by their own means. This is why there is still no peace in Jerusalem today. Wars and crusades have brought many casualties. Failed treaties and peace talks have brought no lasting results. Man is incapable of achieving peace apart from God. And yet people still try in their own but futile efforts to do so. In fact, politicians and media personnel and people from all different backgrounds still debate the pathway to peace. However, true and everlasting peace is not possible apart from God. And we wonder why the foundations of peace are crumbling all over the world, especially right here in our country, in America. People are struggling to find peace within themselves, let alone with others, as abuse and addictions and negativity and pessimism are greater than ever. But there is a way to attain peace through the truth that has been hidden to many. There is one way, but in order to know this one way, we must redefine or simply allow God to define the key to finding this way towards peace. The key is found in our Scripture today, our Scripture passage. It's often talked about. 
It's often sung about. It's often written about. But very, very few people understand the true definition of this divine key that is needed for peace. If you've been to a wedding ceremony before, chances are that you've heard this Scripture passage being read there. As we did last week. I did not give the ceremony for I was taking my role as the father of the bride, although I did give a gospel devotional. But this was one of the readings that was read at the, at the ceremony. And though it's one of the most popular choices for a marriage reading, it is seldom understood in the way that God intended to us to understand through His Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Most people understand that if our words are not founded in love, we are just making noise. And there's no real substance to what we say. But there's something much deeper to this passage that too many for far too long have failed to see and to understand. The passage is clear that love is something that you have. Not merely something that you say or do or think or feel. And no matter how much you want it, there's only one way to have this type of love. It must be received. However, many people will say they've already received that type of love. Not understanding the fact that there are four different types of love as noted in the Bible. They are communicated through four Greek words. These are the four types of love in the Bible. Eros, storge, philia, and agape. Eros is the Greek word for romantic love. The term originated from the mythological Greek god of love and physical attraction. His name was Eros, whose Roman counterpart was Cupid. Love in the form of eros seeks its own interest and satisfaction to possess the object of love. God is very clear in the Bible that eros love is reserved for marriage, a romantic love. Number two, storge is a term of love in the, the Bible describes as family love. The affectionate bond that develops between parents and children, and grandparents, and grandchildren, and brothers, and sisters. Number three, the third type is philia. It's a type of brotherly love in the Bible that describes the powerful, emotional bond that's seen in deep and true friendships. And the fourth is the highest form of love. It is called agape. This term defines God's immeasurable and unconditional love for us. It is perfect. It is unconditional. It's not a trite saying to say unconditional because so much of our love is conditional, whether we say it is or it's not. But God's love for us was unconditional. It is sacrificial. It is pure. Jesus Christ demonstrated this kind of divine sacrificial love. As we all know, this foundational verse 
in John 3.16, For God so loved with agape love. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why was it unconditional? Because we didn't deserve it. We were still sinning. And yet He still died for us. That is unconditional love. In 1 Corinthians 13, when Paul states that love is kind and love is patient, he's not referring to the human attempts of love that so many people translate this as. It's not just about being patient with someone else that you're frustrated with. That's not what God was talking about. Far too many people try to love others in their own strength or by the power of their own commitment or bursting forth from genuine feelings of affection that they have for one another. Yet this love that is mentioned cannot be mustered on its own. Though many believe, just like the popular Beatles song, that all you need is love. Love is all you really need. It's not the kind of love that God was talking about. Jesus has something different to say in this matter. If all you have is human love, you do not have what you really need. No matter how hard you try or how good you are. In fact, the Apostle Peter, after spending three years with Jesus, still didn't understand this form of divine love. Even after Jesus rose from the dead. Do you remember this time following His resurrection? Jesus asked the Apostle Peter if he loved him. And when Jesus spoke of this love, he used the word agape. Peter, do you love me? He used the word agape. And if you recall the passage, Peter replied three times that, yes, Lord, I do love you. Surely I do love you. But the word that Peter used in response was phileo. It's not the same. It's a, phileo is a, is a human expression of love, and agape is a divine love. How could there be such a disconnect? It's not that Peter's love was fake. He certainly was genuine in his words. He was faithful in his repentance and desiring to love Jesus and others the best that he could. However, the eros and the storge and the filia love are not what Jesus called for with Peter. And it's not what Jesus calls for with us in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. How is this type of love possible then? You see, Peter had not yet received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Thus, he was incapable of agape love. No matter how much he wanted to love God in that way, no matter how much he repented, he was incapable on his own except by the grace of the Holy Spirit empowering him to love God in the way that God intended he needed the Holy Spirit, as we all do, to walk in agape love. To love God and to love others in that same way. A divine love that is sacrificial, perfect, pure, and truly unconditional. It's only accessible from God through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. To walk in agape love, to give and receive agape love that's mentioned here, we must yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. 
to enlighten our understanding about the perfect and sacrificial love that was demonstrated at the cross. How is that possible to yield to the Holy Spirit? When we are convicted of our sins, we need to go to God and ask for forgiveness. He knows we're going to mess up. We all do. But we need, when we need to respond to conviction and go to God and say, God, I'm sorry for letting this sin come between me and You. God, forgive me. Get rid of it. I want nothing to get in the way so I can fully share and receive agape love from You. This agape love is now available to all who have repented and truly received Jesus in their hearts and in their lives. To those who make it a daily repentance, making sure there's nothing that gets in the way between us and God. It is from this understanding that we now study the rest of this passage on divine love that is what we truly need to go forward. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. We see that it is impossible to, it is, it is possible to move in the things of God, to be in church, to be in ministry, to be in the movements of faith, but not have love. And when this is the case, we are nothing, despite what it may look like on the outside. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3. And though I bestow, bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Our service cannot be measured on the surface, neither by how it looks or feels or sounds or desires. Some very good people have tried so very hard in their own strength to love only to come up short, loving the way that God has called us to love. We must ask the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our understanding to know Him in love. To fully realize this form of love which transcends all human efforts and can only be accessed through God Himself. There is no substitute. As we continue with the passage in 1 Corinthians, it's imperative that we don't simply read it like a poem as it often is read. For in doing so, we miss the power that is packed into each aspect of God's love. Modern day versions begin with, love is patient. A word that we all could relate to and a trait that we all can aspire to have. However, a more accurate translation of this first and very important aspect of divine love is noted here in the New King James Version. 1 Corinthians 13.4 Love suffers long. Love suffers long. Most prefer versions that aren't as straightforward as this. But this is the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated. He suffered long because He chose to give his life for our eternal life. God suffered long for years as His people would stray from His commands and follow other gods and God suffered long. 
Even today, God suffers long, awaiting all those He has called to come to Jesus. This is pure love. To suffer long. To see others hurting, lost, off course, confused, in fear, in despair, in knowing that He is the answer. Yet His love is not quick to condemn. Rather, it is quick to forgive, to strengthen, to redeem, and to sanctify us when we turn away from the world and turn to Him. Indeed, agape love suffers long. This is the kind of love that God commands us to love Him and to love our spouses and to love our family and to love our brothers and sisters in the church, to love our brothers and sisters around the world. This is what God commands us to love others with. Remember He said, you will know that you are Christians by their love for one another. He gives us that divine love that sets us apart. That agape love is the contrast from the world. Love is kind. Do we even know what that means anymore? It doesn't, this kind of love doesn't call others names when we disagree with them. This kind of love doesn't speak evil of others. It doesn't start rumors or spread, or spread scandalous beliefs about others. This is how Jesus loved us. Even when we didn't deserve this kind of love, this is how He calls us to love others. This is what is missing in so much of our country today. Love does not envy. It does not get upset when someone else has something that we want or we think that we deserve. Love does not boast or parade itself. It's not puffed up. Love has no need to brag or to pump itself up for it simply exists in its purest form. Love does not do things to promote its own reputation. In fact, the Bible is clear that Jesus had no concern for how others viewed Him. Wouldn't it be great to have that freedom to not worry about what other people think of you? Jesus exemplified that. Philippians 2, verse 7 says that He made Himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. He was obedient even to the point of death. Jesus purposely made Himself of no reputation, putting all the focus on God, our Heavenly Father, in fact, even when people tried to compliment Jesus, He received none of that. Mark 10:18, when someone called Him good teacher, Jesus said to him, Why do you call Me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You see, in all that Jesus did and said, He made sure His love always flowed outward and never tried to manipulate love to bring, it, to bring it towards Him. He never tried to bring affection or affirmation or respect towards Himself through that love. He fully trusted that God His Father would take care of all His needs. 
It is the same that God expects of us. That we would walk in this agape or divine love that extends outward in its pure, unconditional form. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. And it thinks no evil. Love is not rude to others. But unfortunately, because we are human, we are imperfect. Because we become offended or hurt or feel rejected and betrayed, we often respond or lash out with rude comments or even rude thoughts towards others. Yet Jesus never had this response even to the people that were killing Him. Because He operated in agape love. Unconditional in nature. In other words, no matter what you do, it's not going to affect how I love outwards. No matter what people did to Jesus, it didn't affect His output. That's how He asked us to love others. It's not possible in our frail human selves But through the Holy Spirit, it is possible. Jesus always sought to honor God in all that He said and all that He did and all that He thought. The only way this is possible is through constant prayer and communion with God. Not just on Sunday. Every day. Throughout the day. To empty ourselves and to be endued with the power of the Holy Spirit to love God and to love others. Love does not seek its own. This is one of the biggest contrasts with human love and God's divine love. Selfishness is often easy to see. But there is a level of self-seeking that we don't always equate with not operating in love. You see, God knew that the only way that He could redeem mankind was to send Jesus to the cross. No one else could do this. Not only was Jesus the only one without sin, the perfect, unblemished Lamb of God, but He was also the only one who could take the punishment without fighting back. We are human. We fight back. He was the only one who could be accused unfairly and not resist to seek His own comfort. One of the most difficult passages in the Bible to understand is this. Isaiah 53, verse 10. Clearly put, it states, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. It pleased God to bruise Jesus on the cross. How can this be love? It's because God was able to focus on what was being produced through the sacrifice, not merely the pain of the sacrifice. Apart from God, our minds and our souls are not capable of understanding or producing this perfect love and focus on our own. Yet Jesus gives us access to this divine love by giving us the cross and opening our understanding to this meaning. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6. Love does not rejoice in iniquity or love does not rejoice in evil. But love rejoices in the truth. God's love does not rejoice when others experience defeat or pain 
or consequences. Yet His love rejoices in the truth. This is the kind of love that He commands us to have towards others. We must seek to rejoice in truth and not in evil. It is what separates us from the world. Many of you know the Gospel passages where the coming of the end days, the last days, and God will separate the sheep from the goats. I think we're giving them a pretty easy job to do that. It shouldn't be that easy. We need to continue to draw on the love of God to love others even if they don't deserve it because we didn't deserve what He did for us on the cross. But we can only do that through agape love. We can't love on our own human means or our human efforts. The kind of love that He commands us to have towards others is to seek to rejoice in truth, not in evil. It is what separates us. It's that contrast from the world. This is not a suggestion. It's not just for the pastor or the worship leader or the deacons or the elders. It's for everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus and calls himself a Christian, taken on Christ's name. That agape love is available to us if we seek it. We must operate in agape love if we expect to have marriages and families and churches and friendships that promote Christ in the world and seek to exemplify the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love always believes the best about another brother or sister in Christ. There's been so much hurt in the church all over the world. And people have lost the ability to work through differences. People have lost the ability to have difference of opinions. They've lost the ability to seek the best in someone. Yes, we've been hurt. That's part of being a Christian. In ministry, we get hurt all the time. But I have to believe that love bears all things. So do you. Love believes all things. Love endures all things. We have to believe the best about someone else. Because if we don't, then the enemy gets in and he starts to misinterpret interpret the motivations of the other person to us the longer we stay apart. Many times hurting people can't help it. They give because they are hurt themselves. We can't act out of revenge. We have to act out of love. And we can only get that love from Jesus Christ. The love that we are commanded to give always hopes for resolution. It does not lead with revenge or trying to get even. It believes in forgiveness. It believes in restoration. No matter how bad it seems, we serve a God of impossibility. Remember on Saturday, after Jesus died on the cross, and a whole day went by and nothing happened? Think of the despair of the world. Talk about impossible. Jesus, the Son of God, was crucified and died on the cross, and yet the next day He rose from the dead. We serve a God of impossibility. <coughs> Whatever disagreement you have with someone, 
If there's unforgiveness there, if there's misunderstanding, if there's hurt, if you're not talking, if there's vengeance and anger, we need to give that to God. With God, all things are possible. Amen? All of us have things and issues we work with. All of us have people that we're trying to restore or we should be trying to restore. Agape love seeks restitution and, and uh, restoration. It seeks grace. It, it, it seeks love. Thank God that God didn't lead with revenge when we turn to Him after we have sinned against Him and against others. Jesus perfected His love on the cross and died for us even when we didn't deserve it. How dare we withhold love from others that need it? There are people in this church that used to go to this church that no longer attend because they're hurt. We all mess up. We all hurt others, when even we don't intend to hurt others. Our job is not to sit and say, they're lost. Our job is to love them enough back into the presence of God. Whether it's this church or someone else, we need to seek restoration. We need to seek restoration with our family and our friends, those we work with. That's agape love. That's what this world needs to promote Christ. This is how God commands us to love others. The key to bring peace with God and others is through agape love that was given and received at the cross. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Love never fails. Human love fails. That's why there's divorces. That's why people are abused in families. That's human love. But God's agape love never fails. We need to believe for our family members and believe for our friends and believe for our brothers and sisters. It is God's agape love that holds us together and keeps us together and empowers us to be His light and His love in the world today. That's what's missing. Remember this truth. Agape love. God's divine love never fails. When you hear yourself speaking evil of others, rejoicing in their defeat, I pray that we are all immediately convicted and return to God. When you catch yourself with wrong motivations, wanting to get even with someone for hurting you, whether it was fair or unfair, God reminds us that His love never fails. Let us be quick to go to God with our pain, with our hurts, with the hopes that He can forgive us and soften our hearts and extend His mercy and grace and perfect love. We cannot do this on our own. It takes a true dying to ourselves. But when we access His perfect love that first loves us, why do we love Him? Because He first loved us. When we receive that love from Him that forgives us so that we no longer walk in shame or condemnation or hurt or anger or justification, when we fully appropriate that love, then we can give that divine agape love to others as well. 
And then we truly become the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the hope of the world today. Let us walk together in love so that all may truly understand and know the perfect love of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word today. We thank You for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. God, we do not hide from You, for Your Word says that all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us has messed up in word, thought, or deed. And Lord God, You have not given up on us because of Your perfect love for us. And so Lord God, forgive us this day for things that we've had between others, for things we've had against ourselves, for things we may have had against You. Forgive us, God. Empower us by the Holy Spirit to receive Your perfect love that we are forgiven, that we can forgive ourselves, that we can forgive others, that we can look for restoration with others. That that would be a priority in our lives to extend Your love to this lost and hurt and dying world. We thank You for restoration. We thank You for love. We thank You for Jesus, the greatest gift of all. In Your precious name we pray. Amen.